This is the non-microwave truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Thanks to all those who have written reviews, left the five star, and have shared this with a friend. We are going to try to take it up a notch today. And you're like, what do you mean by that? What are you talking about? The podcast has been on YouTube if you felt like sharing it with someone, but at this present moment, it's only an audio version. I'm going to actually try to record a video so we can upload it onto the onto YouTube so you can subscribe and share it with people and you can actually see the bald and beautiful head. But let's get into our first world problem today. Our first world problem question is this. Let's, I got to paint this picture for you. You are married and you have a dog, you have a kid, and your parents live with you. Something happens in the house where you're put in a position where you can only save one. Who are you saving? What I'm really asking is who comes first? Who should come first? Especially from a biblical standpoint. Now, that's our first word problem question today. Who should come first in your life when you are married? And I think the answer is pretty obvious. I think the answer is your spouse. And I say that because in the Bible, it talks about that's the only person or rewind that before that. That's the only person that you make a vow with that you will be with until death do us part. And the Bible talks about in Genesis 2, chapter 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, something else I want to point out is a lot of times the best way to actually love your kids is to love their mom or dad in a great way, because if they see that they feel love as well. But that's the first word problem question day. Who do you think should come first and who comes first in your life? If you were put in that position, I know some of you might not be married. But yeah, notice I said married too. I didn't say like your your boyfriend or your baby daddy or your baby mama. But who should come first? And I think that gets really complicated in our culture and in our era today when you have a blended families or you have someone with, you know, kids already and you're dating and you're like, hey, I'm really feeling you. And they, you start to take those next steps, but they already have kids and you're not their husband or their wife yet. So who should come first? In that situation, because that's definitely different than a husband or a wife. But the first word problem question again is this. Who should come first if you are married? Meaning you have a spouse and then you got your parents there. You have your kids there and you even have your daughter. I know some of you want to save your dog, but I think from a biblical standpoint, it should be a spouse. But what do you think? And this is our first word problem. Oh, yeah. Let me know what you think about this on Instagram or or Twitter, you can hit me up, Champion Life 23. And this is our first word problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Modern Day Idols, and we're specifically looking at loved ones. This is the second part in this series of Modern Day Idols. And what we're looking at is when can someone that you love or something, I guess anything that has a heartbeat of uh, any living creature. So, cause I know some of you love your dogs and you love your cats too. When can that become an idol? When can that become an idol? And like, how does that look? Why does, why is that something that we don't even think about a lot of times now working in a high school and just seeing those, those high school students when they in the hallway and they holding hands 
and they just love each other so much like they got their hand locked up and they about to clothesline people in the hallway not because they're trying to start any fights or anything but because they don't want to let the hand go because they're in so much i guess we can call it love i look at it a lot of times it's like lust because they're ready to risk it all like if the girl was like hey let's skip class and let's you know let's head to the car and let's make it happen how many of them would actually stop everything they're doing and run to the car and make it happen Another thing that I see in working in a high school is just how people want to be loyal to someone at any cost. Like if my friend has a problem, then I got a problem. Like, why are you in this drama? Because my friend had drama. So that means I have drama and they want to be loyal. They want to stand up. They like worship their friend to a point that they don't even know. Like they're bending over backwards for someone. And that's when you can make someone an idol is when you will be obedient to them over being obedient to God. Or you're putting yourself in unnecessary danger and you're pretty much saying, like, forget God. You are willing to sin in order in order to be loyal or in a lot of cases, get the approval from this person or this relationship. Like if you are willing to get their approval and you stop forgetting about God's approval. That's when people start to become an idol. And Samson in the book of Judges, he's the prime example of making like a loved one or what I should say, probably a lusted one, an idol. Like he makes people an idol. Samson picked multiple bad women. And when I say bad, I'm not talking about looks. Like if you look at the first woman that Samson chose or he told his parents to get. She ended up being burnt like literally dying to death not like sexual burnt but being burnt to death and his parents even warned him about it like samson why don't you pick a woman from our culture why do you need to go to this other culture where they don't believe in god and they're pretty much heathens like why do you need to do that but that's what samson wanted and people can become an idol because of what they do for us or what we think they do for us an example is like a woman could become an idol to a man because he's like this is some good sex. Like, I really enjoy having sex with her. And no, this is not his wife. Now, let's look at Samson, though. Samson in chapter 16, he was doing what I talked about earlier in regards to putting himself in unnecessary danger and sinning. Samson's idol was women. And some of you will be like, well, why do you say that? Because Samson put himself in unnecessary danger because he just loved the thrill and the chase of women. And if you look at Judges chapter 16, he put himself in that unnecessary danger that I was talking about because he went and saw a prostitute and he spent the night with her knowing that that was the enemy territory, knowing that they wanted to kill him, knowing that they would plot and plan to do harm to him. He didn't care. And he got out of that situation. You should go read about that. That's in Judges chapter 16. But then he continues on with this, this idol of, of women. Now, the next woman he picks, she's not a prostitute, but it's still just a head scratcher. And her name is Delilah. And I just like if I was talking to Samson, I would be like, bro, come on. I know she bad and she thick as they come. And yep, she's gorgeous to you. But she's out here trying to get you like she is trying to get you killed. Now, it doesn't actually say that she was good looking or anything. But I'm guessing she had to be to Samson since he was willing to keep her around after the fact that she told his secret or what he what he um, tricked her into thinking was his secret and then had the enemy roll up in their house. Like 
She did this several times and Samson still kept her around. So I'm thinking like, man, maybe she had to be good looking to him. I do seriously wonder were all these women good looking though. Because it's like, have you ever seen someone about to risk it all over someone? And you're like, they're not even good looking. Or they don't even any, they don't even have anything going for themselves. Like, what in the world does this person see in them? And Samson, he eventually gave in to his idol of Delilah and told her what his actual secret to his strength was. Samson, without a doubt, became more concerned about Delilah's approval than God's approval. He became more concerned about making Delilah feel comfortable and good and feel loved than he did about God feeling loved. So he became more obedient to Delilah than he did to God. And the problem with this or where the idolatry comes in is you should never put someone's or someone's your love for someone should never make you disobedient to God. It shouldn't demand that you love them more than you love God. But that's one of the devil's tricks. It's super nice to be wanted. The devil makes risky seem so fun and so enticing. And that infatuation phase, you better be careful because that's the phase where you see all the good, but you overlook all the bad. And I want to point out a big red flag that you are either creating or making someone an idol or they're creating or making you an idol is if a person thinks something is wrong, but then they're all of a sudden willing to be wrong for you and change or break the rule that they have set. If you are changing your rules and doing things that are wrong, especially when you measure it up against God's word, the chances of you making that person an idol have went up drastically. Like if you're willing to be disobedient for them and go against God's word, you've made him an idol. And that's what we see with Samson. And this isn't that good type of love either. This is that hot, passionate love or like the love that's insecure is too selfish. It's more so like, what can this person do for me? It's embedded in the idea or philosophy of I have to have it now. And that's a big microwave truth in our culture. And on this episode of Modern Day Idols, specifically looking at loved ones, another example that I want to give you of this type of idolatry comes from Ananias and Sapphira. They are in Acts chapter five. And what we have here is a husband and wife who decided to lie about how much money they were donating to the apostles. And they kept some money for themselves. Now, I'm guessing the man whose name is Ananias, he came up with the plan because it says it says with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles feet. So when he did this, Peter was like, is this all the money? He's like, yeah, that's that's everything. Boom. Died on the spot. Now, the people that we get involved with romantically, they can be idols. This definitely includes your side piece, who you're talking to, somebody you're dating, somebody you're on the street with Snapchat with. And we've been told consistently in our culture that when you love someone, you defend them no matter what. No, you don't. You support them, but support in this situation looks like telling the truth. Sapphira, she put her husband's truth above God's truth. She was obedient to her husband when he was going against God's word. And that is how he became her idol. Oh, and best believe, Sapphira, 
Sapphira was ride or die. She came in there three hours later, not knowing what had happened, and she stuck to the lie. We giving you all the money. I promise we're giving you all the money. And boom, she died as well. Go read about that in Acts chapter 5, though. But I can almost guarantee her philosophy or thoughts had to be, I don't want my spouse to think I don't love him. I will do anything for him. Well, you better be thinking about first, what will your Savior think about how you're treating him? That's our number one relationship to be concerned about. No matter if you're single, you're dating, you're married for 30 years, it should BFF. Or you're trying to earn someone's trust back. That's a really, really tough spot to be in because people will throw that back in your face like, see, you don't have my back again. But if you're going against God's word, that ain't the way to do it. It's just not. Even Peter in the Bible was guilty of doing this with Jesus. And I know some of you are like, hold up. How could Peter have made Jesus into an idol? Peter did this because he put his plan. Peter put his plan for Jesus over what our heavenly father had planned for Jesus, which was to die on the cross, resurrect, save the entire nation, world, mankind. And you're like, when did Peter do this? Peter did this when he decided to take out his little sword or take out somebody's sword. And he chopped off a man's ear. This is in John 18, verse 10. It says, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Peter looked at the situation and he's like, wait. Jesus, my teacher, my friend, he's about to get arrested. I can't let him get arrested. That is not a part of my plan. That's not how I want to worship Jesus. And this is where a lot of us turn our loved, one, loved ones into idols because we start to project our plan or what we want them to do for us, especially in an earthly sense. Peter was probably looking for Jesus to stay on earth and for them to bask in glory. What you're looking for from a person can really turn them into an idol. And a point that I have to make is that friendships and standing up for people, especially people with the cause, that is fine and dandy, but you don't want to get lost in doing it. You don't want to turn them into an idol. And it's like, at what price are you going to stand up for them? Are you standing up for them and a godly purpose? Or are you standing up for them and a purpose that you have created which is now prioritized over God and God's plan. This is what we have to check because this is when it becomes an idol. This is one of the biggest ways we get and create modern day idols, being people, people that we love, people that we admire. A great example of taking something good, a great and perfect example to be most accurate is this example with Jesus. And this shows us that if you take the devil's way instead of taking God's way, it can and will become an idol. And something to learn from with Jesus is if you feel like someone is making you into an idol or worshiping you, look at what Jesus did with Peter. It says in verse 11, this is John 18, verse 11. It says, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the father has given me? And what Jesus was saying to Peter was, Peter, this is about the father's will. This is not about your will or your little plans. I have bigger things to do. There's a purpose that I have to fulfill. And he points to Peter and he's saying to him, if it goes against God's word, if it goes against God's plan, if it goes against God's purpose, redirect the person back to that. And on this episode of Modern Day Idols, specifically looking at loved ones, it wouldn't be right 
if we didn't look at the relationship between like parents and children. And I have to be straight up. I see a lot of parents worshiping their kids and turning their kids into idols. And a lot of it stems from something good, though. It stems from the fact that they have a desire to give them more than they ever had. A desire to give them everything, though. That's where it gets a little messy. And it gets a little messy, too, when parents want to protect them, protect their kids from every single type of obstacle or challenge. They call it a danger, but it's really just a challenge and an opportunity to grow. They want to protect them from all of those things. Kid comes home. Mom, Timmy pushed me when we were outside for recess. Mm-mm, not my baby. I'm about to go up there and push Timmy for you, son. And I'm going to use that Peter example again. But like, how often do we want to be like Peter when Jesus was arrested and we want to pull out our sword and go ham? And this can be true in any type of relationship for that matter, but especially in a child or parent relationship. There's this idea that you should be able to dictate a person's path. And what I mean by that is like if, if you're a child, you're thinking my parents should be able to get me fill in the blank. And if you're a parent, you're like, my child deserves this and they deserve the opportunity for that. And they should be getting this and they should get this reward and they should get this recognition. and They should get this accolade. And woo, look at some people's Instagram or Facebook. They got a lot of love and adoration for their kids, especially if they just had a baby. And it's one thing to be proud of your son or daughter. It's another thing to turn them into an idol. And what I mean by that is you can just tell. Because the child is their world or the children are their world. And if you start acting crazy or doing ungodly things because of your kids and you get out of character, your children or child is an idol to you then. And kids, when I say kids, I mean anyone who has a mom or dad because you are still your parent's child. Kids, they can rely on their parents for everything. You could be five years old or you could be 35 years old. Some of us really look to cast all our anxieties on them, them as in parents instead of God. And some parents, they love it because they want to be needed and controlled as much as they can for as long as they can. And I know some parents, they just like to be needed. It's not a control thing because they want to keep them as kids. They want to keep them as my baby. But they're supposed to grow up and they're supposed to grow up and be more like your brother and sister in Christ. And I know sometimes that's hard for parents to think about, like your child is supposed to grow up to be a man or a woman and then be your brother or sister in Christ. Now, I want to look at the relationship between Jacob and Esau with their parents. And this is in Genesis chapter 25. Jacob and Esau are twin men and they have a father named Isaac and Isaac he knew he was supposed to give the birthright to Jacob, but he said, I'm going to give it to Esau instead. And some of you are like, well, what is the birthright? What's so what's the big deal with that? The birthright meant a double portion of inheritance. And you kind of like took the, the leadership of the family and you got a special blessing. And this isn't that big of a deal, but the big deal or what makes it look like Isaac was worshiping or created or made Esau an idol is that God told him. To give it to Jacob. And it appears that Isaac made Esau an idol because because biblical scholars would suggest that he did this because of Esau's manliness. <laughs> he was hairy. He was a great hunter. This is what Isaac loved the most and thought would be best suited to 
receive and get the birthright. And remember that first word problem question I asked? It appeared that Isaac's main and number one priority was Esau, when it should have been his wife. But you should go read about that in Genesis chapter 25. Because even though Isaac had the plan, Jacob still got the birthright. But yeah, go read about that Genesis chapter 25 and just kind of see how Rebecca's role plays into it as well. And maybe you'll be like, Rebecca's idol was Jacob. She loved Jacob more than she loved Esau. It was just a really um, intriguing family dichotomy. Okay, now the last person I want to look at is Abraham. Abraham was teetering with making Isaac an idol. This is in Genesis chapter 22. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Why would you say that? God said this to Abraham. He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Abraham's whole plan was challenged. And this is where idols become so big. Idols become big because we think about what they will do for us. And in Abraham's case, the devil was saying to him, Isaac will make you into a great nation. You can't sacrifice him. Isaac is the one who's going to make your legacy last. Isaac is the most important person in your life. Remember, you waited 100 years. Your wife waited 90 years. This is the only child you have. This is the only child you will ever have can't sacrifice Isaac. You love Isaac way too much. That would just be flat out stupid. This is what the devil had to be saying to Abraham. But Abraham knew two things. The first one being his relationship with God is the number one and most important relationship that he ever, 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 ever could have. And number two, who you obey is who you love. And who he loved the most was God. God was his number one priority. God over everything, even his logic, even his feelings, even his own son. Abraham showed us he loved God by being obedient to him, by trusting in him and his plan. Abraham's love and trust for God allowed him to put the most positive spin on what would happen if he actually had to go through with sacrificing and killing his son. When you withhold something from God, that is an idol. What are you withholding from God? What are you afraid to give to God? What are you afraid that God might ask from you? What is it? Whatever it is, it's an idol. But you just got to remember, God didn't withhold his son from us. And to wrap this up, modern day idolatry, that comes in a lot of forms and fashions. But the modern day idolatry coming in the form of people we love is something that we oftentimes overlook. The devil and the, the devil microwaves the fact that we're just loving others like God commanded us to. Remember, God told you to love everyone and you're doing what you're supposed to do. But how we love them and why we're choosing to love them, that should never trump our love for our heavenly father. And our love for God, first and foremost. Like, let's not kid ourselves either. We love others and it becomes a form of idolatry because we high key. We're, we're trying to control our narrative and see what we can get out of it. We're not trusting God to fill that need. We're not trusting God to actually give us what's best. We're not trusting God to have control and our best interests in mind. And for these reasons, this is why we allow or make our loved ones idols. 
This is sometimes why we love certain people. The non-microwave truth is that Jesus is the God we need, and the God we need is described in the Bible. It's not a God based on our own sinful personal ambitions or desires. Find out who God is through his word and love him more than anyone else because he is number one. He deserves the number one spot in our hearts. This is the love that God intended for us. And this, my friends, is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Modern Day Idols, Loved Ones. We're going to continue with this series next week, but we'll be looking at our entertainment system and how that's an idol that is just forced upon us. And we don't even probably think about it like that anymore. We're so used to being entertained that, yeah, we just we don't even think about it. But it's definitely one that we should be careful of, because if you don't know your enemy, it's hard to fight them. And of course, if you like the episode, share it with someone. That's love. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.